Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. Our world is not the same world that we entered into on New Year's Day 2020. It seems like we went to sleep in one world and woke up in another Things are radically different. Tuesday, I went to CVS to pick up a prescription. And for the first time in my life, I walked into CVS wearing a mask. But not only was I wearing a mask, virtually everybody else in the store was wearing a mask. That's a new reality. I've never done that before. When I got in line to pick up my prescription, there are marks on the floor making sure that I keep six feet away from the people in front of me. I've walked into Walmart, I've walked into Kroger, I've walked into Lowe's, and all of them now have these marks on the floor. It's a new reality, it's a new day. It's like we went to sleep in one world and we woke up in another. My wife Sherry has not had face-to-face contact with her Spanish students in over a month. We have not had church, in-person church, in over a month. People have not been in this building worshiping. It's a new world. We went to sleep in one world, and we woke up in another. And this is national and international. Our world is different. It's been radically changed. But what I'm going to talk about today is not just for us on a national level. It can be very, very personal. My mother and father went to sleep one day. They woke up on a Sunday morning. They uh, had breakfast, went to church, read the newspaper, and then Dad went down to the basement to watch uh, basketball. It was uh, the Final Four. Mom stayed upstairs, caught a nap. Between 3 and 5 p.m. that night, my dad had a massive stroke. My mom's world was turned upside down. She went to sleep one day, Saturday night in one world, woke up Sunday morning, and the world radically changed. A family I knew went to bed one evening When they woke up the next, their 20-year-old son who was still living with them, they realized he hadn't come home that night. And it concerned them a bit, but they tried to find out where he was. This was pre-cell phone days, so they just couldn't try to call his cell phone. They went to bed in one world and woke up in a different world. For two days later, the police had finally found his car in his body. He had gone off on a really... Uh, remote part of a road and had a one a, a one car accident and passed away this family's world was turned upside down they went to sleep in one world woke up in another sherry and i woke up on december 26th and we found that our world was going to be turned upside down The night before, December 21st, I had worked the late shift at the television station. Since we weren't going out of town to see Sherry's parents for another couple of days, I gave the the, the director the evening off. I said, hey, it's Christmas Day. Why don't you stay with your family? I'll just uh, work, and um, you can have the evening off. Nine o'clock on December 26th, I get a phone call over at our house, wakes me up said, hey, Rick, you need to get over here to the TV station. I said, yeah, I worked last night. I was taking a couple hours off. They said, no, Rick, you need to come in. We have a meeting at 10 o'clock. You need to be here. I quickly showered and dressed and went into the television station, and within 30 minutes, my world had turned upside down. The station had gone out of business. The owners were shutting it down. I was without a job. 
I had a three-month-old daughter, a house payment, and no work. My world, our world, Sherry's and my world, was turned upside down. We went to sleep in one world, and we woke up in another. And I believe that every single one of you who is listening today probably has your own story, and if you don't, you will, if you're young and hasn't, haven't had one of these yet, but you will, where you'll go to sleep one night, and you'll wake up, and the next day, the world is different. Something has happened. And so what I'm hoping to do this morning is I'm hoping with the help of the Holy Spirit to bring some hope. There is massive brokenness in our world. There's massive brokenness and pain and hurt in so many families. And this morning, my hope is to bring some, some hope to you. I want to help you to navigate this national crisis. I also want to help you navigate your own personal crisis. We're all going to get through this. I'm convinced of that. We're all going to get through this. You're going to get through it. You're going to get through it. But on the other side, I'm also convinced of this. It's not going to be the same. Things have changed so radically. And what is it going to look like on the other side? And how are we going to adapt to it? That's what I hope to address this morning. So I just want to pray and ask God's help that I can communicate. God, our Father, God, our Father, speak to hearts today. Speak through me. Bring encouragement. Build our faith. And build our hope. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a story of a man in the Bible who went to sleep one day in one world and when he woke up the next day, he woke up to a world of uncertainty. And that's the story I want to share with you. It's found in 2 Kings. And so uh, let, me, uh, let me give you a little bit of backstory. And I want to give credit where credit is due. The phrase that I've been using, he woke up in a different world than the world he went to sleep in, actually came from Pastor Stephen Furtick. A few weeks back, I was listening to Pastor Stephen, and he, and he talked about this radical change that can happen. You go to sleep in one world and it seems like you wake up in another. And for the past few weeks, those thoughts have been going through in my mind. And so I've built this message based on that phrase from Pastor Stephen. Now, this goes back to the Old Testament, 2 Kings, the prophet Elisha. The prophet Elisha was living in the town of Dothan. A bordering kingdom to Israel, Aram, was at war with Israel. And the king was very angry at Israel. Now, Elisha had a servant who was also living with him, helping with the needs, and he woke up one morning and he walked out of the uh, dwelling that they were living in and his world was radically changed. He went to bed in safety and he woke up in terror. Let me read to you from verse 15 of 2 Kings 6. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. He went to bed in one world and woke up in another. Here's what took place. Sometime during the night, the Aramean army had come and they had surrounded the town and the house where Elisha was staying because they were after Elisha. He was, he was the enemy right now. See, what was happening was God had been using the prophet to disrupt the plans of the king of Aram and the army. Every time the king strategized how they were going to do battle against Israel, every time the king strategized, God revealed the plans to Elisha. 
And Elisha went and told the king of Israel, so the king of Israel knew where the attack was coming. He avoided that area. He also knew the time of the attack. He wasn't there. The when and the where of the attack, the king of Israel knew because Elisha had told it to him. And this happened time after time after time again. And the king of Aram didn't know what was going on. All he knew was he was angry because the king of Israel knew his plans. Let's pick up the story uh, in... Verse number 11. The king of Aram became very upset over this. Elisha telling all of his plans. And he called his officers together and he demanded, Which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel, Even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. And that's where we pick up the story in verse 15, for it says, When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried out to Elisha. Oh, sir, what are we going to do now? The young man cried out to Elisha. His world had been turned upside down. He went to sleep in safety and security in this town, and he wakes up surrounded by the enemy. And not, not only the city surrounded, but the house of Elisha surrounded by these troops. And he knew they were in trouble. So he cries out to the prophet, Oh, sir, what are we going to do? What will we do now? Listen to Elisha's response. Do not be afraid, Elisha told him. There are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. The phrase I want to spend some time on this morning is that one. Lord, open his eyes. Lord, open his eyes. See, what happened was God, opens, God opened Elisha's servant's eyes to a truth, to the truth. And the truth, it was there all the time that they were being helped by the armies of heaven, that there was a supernatural army that was bigger than the natural army that the Arameans had come and uh, brought to this town. There was a truth that the servants couldn't see, but Elisha was aware of. So he said, Lord, open his eyes. God also opened the servant's eyes to a spiritual reality. And that spiritual reality was there all the time. And the servant needed to see it. And that spiritual reality was more powerful than the natural reality of the Aramean army being there. For there were the armies of the living God there to protect Elisha and his servant and the town. But the servant couldn't see them. That phrase, Lord, open his eyes. That's the phrase that has been on my heart. And that's what I want to talk to us about. This is what I've been praying for myself. What we're going to pray for you, what I'm going to pray for you, what I want you to pray for yourself. Lord, open my eyes. Lord, open my eyes to the truth that is around me.
the truth that is there that I need to see. Lord, open my eyes to spiritual reality, a spiritual reality that is there that I need to see. And I'm going to talk to you about some verses of Scripture that are on my heart right now. This is the truth. This is the spiritual reality that you and I need. These are the verses we need to communicate to, our, to ourselves and get deep in our heart. I desire for God to open your eyes to the truth of these scriptures. The first is this. It's from Psalm 119.68. It says, Lord, you are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. You are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. We need to be aware of the spiritual reality that no matter what we are walking through personally, nationally, or internationally, God is good, and he does only good. Oh God, open our eyes to that spiritual reality. The other spiritual reality, or another spiritual reality, comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Can this disease be against us? Can economic uncertainty be against us? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, a verse that many, many people know, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God's plans haven't changed even though the world's plans have changed, even though your personal plans have, have changed. God's plans have not. He has plans for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Oh God, open our eyes to the truth. Open our eyes to the spiritual reality that you still have good plans for us, that if you are for us, who could be against us, that you are good, and do only good. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 9 says this, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts, declares the Lord. O oh Lord, open our eyes to the reality and the truth that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and your ways are higher than than our ways. They're infinitely higher. We can trust you. We can trust your ways. We can trust your plans. We can trust your thoughts. If you are for us, who can be against us? Romans chapter 8, verse 28, another scripture that has been a life scripture to me says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God is going to take and work what we are walking through. As his children, he is going to take and use what we are walking through for our good. Now, the situation is not good. The difficulties we're walking through are not good. But God is good, and he only does good. And he is going to use, and he's going to make, work together for good, all of these things for our good. Because we love him, and we're called according to his purposes for us. Back again in Psalm chapter 119, verse 68, it says, You are good and do only good. You are good and do only good. God is good and does only good. God is good when you have a job. 
And God is good when you don't have a job. God is good when the economy is good. And God is still good when the economy is shaky and faltering. God is good when you are healthy. And God is good when you are ill. God is good when all of your relationships are solid. And God is good when your relationships are, are shaky. God is good. And he does only good. Phrase that I want you to see. God's faithfulness in the past is evidence of his faithfulness in the future. Hold on to that, my friend. Hold on to that. As you look at how God has been a part of your life for the years that you have been following him, and maybe you've only been following him for a short time, so you can't look back as Sherry and I can look back over the 40 years that each of us have been following him individually, uh, and almost the 40 years we've been uh, uh, following him married. He is good, and he does only good. And God's faithfulness in the past is evidence of his faithfulness in the future. If you can't, if you don't have this faithfulness in your own life yet, then grab on to the faithfulness that he showed to the people in the Bible. Grab on to the faithfulness that he showed to Elisha and to the servant and having an army, an invisible army to, to uh, the servant until God opened his eyes. But there was an army there far greater, far larger, far more powerful than the Aramean army that had come. God's faithfulness in the past is evidence of his faithfulness in the future. There are stories in the New Testament, stories of the Apostle Paul, stories of Peter, stories of how God took care of people in the book of Acts. God's faithfulness in the past is evidence of his faithfulness in the future. Let that, let that truth, let that spiritual reality come into your heart. There is massive brokenness in our world. We need to all pray, Father, open my eyes. Let me see the truth. Let me see the spiritual truth of my situation. Let me be able to see things the way that you see things. Let me see how you're working in my life. Let me see how much you love me. And then help me to trust your plans and your thoughts towards me. When you are walking closely with God, when you are in obedience to His commands for you and your family, then you can count on Him. You can claim His promises for you. He wishes to comfort and encourage you today. He's been comforting and encouraging me today from this story. I have been actually praying, God, open my eyes that I can see what is going on. And, and as I've been praying that, these scriptures have come to mind. Scriptures, some that I have known and been claiming for a long time about God's purpose and faithfulness in our life. Israel was saved from their enemies supernaturally. I'm just going to let you read the story in 2 Kings 6 as to how God worked powerfully to save Elisha, and the nation of Israel and that town from the Aramean army. But I want to let you know that Sherry and I, between December 25th and 26th, when we had our world turned upside down, it's been 30 years. The path has not always been smooth, but God has been with us. He has walked us through. He has taken us through. We've messed up. We've screwed up from time to time. 
God took us to places we never expected that we were going to go, but even in those places, those places we didn't expect to go, he actually used those circumstances and he taught us because we were willing to walk through, we were willing to seek him, we were willing to pray to him, and he used those circumstances in powerful ways in our life. I can tell you from my experience, God is good and does only good. His thoughts for Sherry and I have been good. His plans for Sherry and I have been good. We've seen high points and we've seen low points. But we have seen the high points and the low points walking side by side with God. God was with us. He loved us and he cared for us. One last quick statement, and maybe this can minister to your heart today. My current situation is not my permanent destination. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. My current situation, the situation you're standing in right now, you've been laid off or you've had a salary cut or your kids are at, at home and you're, you're homeschooling them or maybe you're in illness right now. Uh, maybe you're, you don't know what your future holds. Your current situation is not your permanent destination. I know, I, ha I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Your current situation is not your permanent destination. We all entered into a new world, and we don't know what it's going to look like on the other side. But God saw it before we got here. God is here with us in it. God will walk through this with us. And God's plans for you and God's plans for me and God's plans for this church and God's plans for the body of Christ are higher than ours. God is good and does only good. Would you bow and pray with me? Lord, open my eyes that I may see the truth of the situation which I am in. Lord, Open my eyes to the spiritual reality around me and to the reality of who you are and that I can count on you. Lord, for every single person listening today, watching today, praying with me, Lord, open their eyes. May the truth of who you are, how much you love and care, and how well that you take care of your children. May that truth be permanently embedded on our hearts. And may it rise up in such a way that we believe it. Uh, even give us a supernatural faith to believe what you say about yourself. Thank you, Lord, for being here with us. Thank you, Lord, that we can count on you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. 
And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.